Hello everybody and welcome to Fly in the Lab. My name is Maria and I am a scientist, PhD student, science communicator and host of this podcast. Fly in the Lab is a place so we can all chat and laugh about our science confessions and lab mishaps. A place so we can dispel myths about scientists and really share some of the humour that gets us through the day-to-day struggles, of which there are many. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoy listening to Fly in the Lab. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fly in the Lab. I hope that you've all had a lovely, lovely week. And I hope that none of you were blown away by those awful, awful storms that we had at the weekend. I have never seen sights like the aeroplanes all trying to land in all of the airports in the UK. What on earth was going on with the weather, please? It was just madness. I mean, I live in the north of England and it wasn't horrendous. Like I managed to sort of get home in one piece from the lab on Friday night and I was okay on Saturday as well. I actually went to visit my grandparents, but everywhere else in the UK seemed to be in carnage. I mean, the O2 is in tatters. What is happening, please? (laughs) It was all a bit mental. But apart from that, I hope that you've all had a really nice week. What have you all been up to? Please do let me know. I like getting your correspondence. Sometimes I get emails from you and it's really nice to kind of know that there are people out there listening. I got a notification the other day saying that the podcast is in the top five of the podcast charts in Moldova. So for anybody listening to this in Moldova, hello, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> uh, let me know where you listen to around the world. I do have a look at my dashboard and I can see what countries this goes out to. And it's actually insane how many people listen to this from all over the world and sort of countries that I would never even thought of, would have thought would listen to this are listening to it. And that's just amazing. So let me know where you're from as well. I should do a poll on my Instagram. Please do check out my Instagram. We have at a bio blog, which is myself. I have a science and sort of engagement communications Instagram. And I also have an Instagram for the podcast. So that's at fly in the lab. So yeah, drop me some messages. Let me know where you're listening to this from. But it's been a long, long week this week. And we're only on Tuesday. (laughs) Last week was busy. This week is incredibly busy. And I am just running on fumes. I'm so tired. I feel like stress levels are quite high at the minute, not just because I have quite a lot going on, but I'm also a little bit concerned about kind of getting results in in time to write up my thesis. And I just kind of want to make sure that everything goes smoothly. But also I'm kind of realizing the impending finishing of the PhD and having to kind of look for a job. So I'm starting to kind of, look at the job market and it's just making me feel sick and scared oh it's just awful it's really hard I think when you sort of and I know this is the same for any profession but I think especially for a PhD you know like you kind of are in education for a very long time I mean I've been at uni since I was 18 and I'm almost 26 it's been a while so um it's it's a bit of a reality check and I'm a little bit scared about it but you know we move we're sort of getting there slowly surely maybe um obviously it's nice to have some support along the way so it's always nice to kind of speak to other scientists and this podcast is a really nice way to kind of connect with scientists and have a bit of a catch-up both before and during the podcast and beforehand we always have a little bit of a catch-up just to kind of make sure that everyone's nice and comfortable and ready to record and that is normally the portion where I probably should be recording because we're basically just sat there miserable about our lives (laughs) because everyone's so stressed out at the minute but that was definitely not the case for this podcast guest. The podcast guest that I've had on this week is actually somebody who I work with and he is delightful. One of my possibly one of my favorite people to just interact with in general. He is absolutely great and I had such a great time recording this podcast with him so I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fly in the Lab. If you're new here, welcome. 
I am here today with, I'm not even going to say that. I'm going to say I'm blessed here today with the, the presence of <laughs> Dr. Reese Williams, newly appointed. Can I say that? Newly appointed? Newly uh, Yeah, finished? I suppose you can, yeah. Reese Williams. <laughs> Reese, do you want to say hello to the podcast? Tell us hello, who you podcast. are, what you do. Hello, fly in the lab. Um, <laughs> so I am the blessing upon this world. <laughs> Uh, I'm Reese. Um, I I don't really use titles too much unless someone asks me that. I like to show off, of course. Um, sometimes. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm a lecturer in forensic science uh, at Teesside University. So Mira and I have worked together for a couple of years now. Um, yeah. Uh, which is quite exciting to to be on the podcast. So I'm normally looking at bones and decomposition and three D imaging. Uh, a whole host of stuff as well and then seeing what's in a burial site and what's in soil um so which hopefully has some rather lovely and not so lovely uh, confessions for our podcast today um <laughs> which i'm sure you'll all enjoy hearing a little bit about you you are so you're so annoyingly good at this i feel like you've got the voice of like a radio presenter well, if, if it doesn't pan out, then I'll uh, have to start radio, I suppose. <laughs> if everything else, if science goes down downhill, then you've got to back yeah. up. Uh, so, way. well, no, it's not. It's not. So, like we said, uh, we have have worked together, sort of. We work in the same building uh, from time to time. And yeah, it's mad to think, actually, that we've sort of been working with each other for two years now. That has gone by very quickly. I remember mm. during the pandemic where we had our sort of postgraduate coffee sessions uh sat here sort of in my pajamas just sort of whinging to you about how miserable I was about my life <laughs> yeah. and you were sort of mid finishing your PhD then as well so I really didn't have a leg to stand on compared to you really uh, it made for a really uh interesting time it was helpful really to be honest because that was around the start as well um mm. and you're kind of looking out the window longingly thinking Oh, I just want to do some science. Yeah, um, so yeah. It's nice for people to get together and moan about how they're not doing science under the pretense of uh, a science podcast. Uh, not podcast, sorry, uh, science coffee chat, um, which is nice for us to get together then. And then it's just blossomed into some wonderful uh, friendships with us all, really. Definitely, which is nice, I think. And I mean, I think you're an interesting person to speak to, not just because like I do obviously class you as a friend, not just a colleague, but you know, I think you do some really interesting research and it crosses a lot of almost different disciplines as well, you know, because you do the stuff that you've done with like Vindolanda, which I'm going to ask you about in a second. And then you've sort of done a lot with sort of online. I don't, what would you sort of class as like video? Yeah, like. Do so you so want to kind of talk to... a little bit about kind of what you do in terms of your job? Yeah, so a lot of my work is in digital uh, public engagement. So if you imagine it, we all like to go to museums, um, hopefully, and then as you're looking around the museum, you think, oh, I really want to look at that thing behind the display. And it's quite disengaging as you walk around and you have all of these old, fascinating objects and you have loads of them in a case, loads of writing and you can't handle or touch anything. And you learn so much by touching. So by using our digital tech and 3D scanning and printing, we can then take these objects from behind the glass display and put it straight into the public's hands. So you learn on a completely different level and there's features you can discover as well. So uh, we did some 3D scanning and printing of Roman wooden bath clogs from Vindolanda. And on there, they have some engravings of toes at the end of the sandals and uh, end of the bath clog clogs. And on display, you can't really see it because it's wood and it's all dark and wood colored. Uh, so it's quite hard to see these really fine lines. But then as you scan it and you zoom in really close and you print it, and you can actually feel them for yourself. So it's nice to be able to take these tiny features that some people around the world would never be able to actually see for themselves and say, oh, hey, look, you at home, you can look at it yourself. Mm. Um, so we do a lot of digital work with that and scanning and just engaging more audiences. But then alongside that, we also uh, do... I suppose you could say proper science, um, <laughs> going into the lab and doing actual proper chemistry, biology, uh, work on the, uh, the sites as well, which is really nice to do. Yeah, it's uh, it's so interesting. And I think it's so far removed from a lot mm. of the, as you say, like the typical science that you do tend to hear about. And I think because of that, it does make it a lot more interesting to hear about. I mean, I've been to obviously a lot of your talks that you've given to mm. our institute and it 
I feel like everyone's always very engaged with it. Do you feel like you get a lot of engagement from that aspect of your work or? Yeah, so I think sometimes when people come to the talks, they're expecting uh, lots of data and numbers and graphs and that typical hardcore, this is science, look at how amazing I am. And we're all amazing. Um, but (laughs) then the nice thing about going through the digital tech route is that you engage them on a complete different level and people that are non-scientists, because it's a huge problem in science that we don't really engage with science communications for all audiences. Yeah, so 100%. being able to talk to the scientist scientist and then the public scientist and then uh, and then the public, um, it's nice to be able to talk to all of them and show them all areas of heritage that they don't normally see. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a nice way of kind of doing it in a very broad way as well, because often, as you say, there is this gap with sort of science communication. And I think one of the problems is often that it is quite difficult to communicate it to so many different audiences because you do have to adapt say your language or the way that you kind of present this information to people for example like if I wanted to reach a sort of younger audience if I wanted to reach out to students then I'm automatically kind of navigating more towards Instagram and Twitter and sort of social media TikTok is sort of taken off where if I wanted to maybe speak to like the slightly older generation then I'd have to go about that in a totally different way and maybe think about maybe writing a publication or like writing for a newspaper or something like that and I think there's something really nice about the fact that your work kind of does span all of the age ranges and people who are interested in different things and who also have access to different things because that's often overlooked completely you know we don't all have access to the same things so having that I think is just a really nice way to bridge that gap yeah so we do find that it's a huge hurdle for us to consider when doing digital projects because a lot of people don't have access to the internet or if they do mm-hmm. it's maybe not unlimited super fast broadband or they don't have the computer or laptops or ipads and it's really easy to get so hyper focused on this amazing technology and amazing equipment we have at the university and then forget that a lot of people can't even view what we're showing them. So it takes a totally different approach to saying, how can we take this intricate knowledge and then these intricate scans and then combine the two in a really simplified platform for everyone to access. So you do get some hurdles there. Uh, and sometimes we've um, taken some work that didn't quite pan out as we hoped, uh, but you learn a lot <laughs> from that experience. Yeah, um, you do. And then you edit it in the future so that you can cut it down and make sure that people can actually handle it for themselves. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, there's no such thing as mistakes. As you say, you can come back to it later and adapt it for either a different audience or for a different platform. You know, you have all of these different options. But then on the flip side of that, which is slightly sort of changing the sort of track of a conversation slightly is that you have this kind of communication side of your work but then you have to kind of flip that completely on your head then when you lecture because obviously you then have to do that at a much higher level did you feel like sort of going from PhD to working as a lecturer was that quite a big jump or do you feel like you've kind of slid quite nicely into it so when I was a PhD, I was also graduate tutor. So we would do some of the practical sessions, which helped you with experiencing starting sessions. I've always found starting a session really difficult. It is the um, worst. It's like, like you sit at the yeah. front and you're like, do I cough? Do I sort of like, <clears throat> yeah. Can we just have a bit of quiet in the, the room, light please? switch? Yeah. And that's, a, that's uh, a good one. Getting like a bit, what are those, um, like the, oh, the big horns that you press and it sort of goes like, Wee! Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I haven't gone for any of this yet. I might have to as a backup if I'm doing a really big lecture. Yeah. Um, so it is difficult starting the class and then experiencing actually talking in front of them. So the first couple of times you do it, your throat goes so dry yeah. and just shaking. Flammy. Then, yeah, two minutes later, you're like, oh, I'm covered in sweat patches. <laughs> it's disgusting. Um, whereas when you then go into lecturing, because I've done a bits of that, it wasn't too much of a jump, although there was a big jump, of course. Mm-hmm. So my very first session, I was terrified that it was going to go wrong because it was quite intricate as well. It was a bit of a a brave start, uh, but ended up going really well. Um, the class is laughing as well and enjoyed the class as That's well, good. which is really nice. Um, and then from there, because you have that good start, you just kind of maintain the status quo of they haven't 
gone on strike and quit yeah and they haven't yet. rebelled so, yet <laughs> yeah so it's, it's it's good it's good but definitely you have nerves at the start and you you never really lose those nerves but the mm. more you do it the more used to it you become and then the better you are at just winging it yeah basically I think yeah, yeah you, a lot of it is confidence and I think yeah. as long as sort of you're doing something that's remotely related to your subject then normally you are okay and I think for me at least one of the things that I always panic about before I go in is is somebody going to ask me a question that I should know the answer to and I don't and I think a massive learning curve for me was realizing that it's okay to say actually I can't remember that or actually just google that I can't you know I don't know um and I think that's like a, a bit of a learning curve that I found anyway but did you always know that you wanted to work in sort of like academia and research? Is that, was that always the goal for you or? Well, oh, it's, it's really embarrassing actually. So, well, <laughs> so I was talking to uh, my parents the other day um, and my old, I think year three teacher wrote on my report card, when he's older, he's going to be a doctor or a scientist. And I was like, oh, you know what? She was right on both accounts. She just left out the bit that I'm a massive loser. But at least she got the doctor and the scientist part. Um, and then it was probably around sixth form college time. And I think myself, like lots of people out there, had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, and the best source of inspiration is, of course, TV. Um, and so I was watching TV thinking, I really like the look of that. Um, I was watching Judge Judy. Oh, and I really like What? <laughs> I really liked the idea of being like Judge Judy. I thought, you know what? That's I mean, fair fun. play. She's a badass yeah, woman. She's power. Um, <laughs> and I like the sound of uh, forensic science. I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, but I wasn't really too into watching CSI. It wasn't my jam. Um, but I know a lot of people watch CSI and go to forensic science. And then I heard the course Forensic Anthropology. And I thought, oh, that sounds like a cool name. I have no idea what it is, but I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> I do it with something about people forensic uh, but it meant that I also did the law and the criminal investigation so I thought oh I'll do that so I went to uni did all of that uh fell in love with the subject was good at it which is nice and very fortunate then stayed there did a master's and it came up here for PhD and it's kind of just fortune that each step has been a good or correct step I suppose mm. um and it's all just fell together nicely I don't like to say it's luck because that downplays all of the work and effort that we all put in but there is an element of luck I suppose time and fortune um but just finding a subject I liked thinking yeah wicked let's stick with this and working hard and here I am that's nice no I think it's not embarrassing I think it I mean just Judy I mean yeah I mean that's uh, of of all the things you were going to say I don't think I could have predicted that that was what you were going to say but I mean fair play but I think you're definitely right I think I know like it does sound awful to say oh it is luck and I'm always I always fall short of that as well I always kind of say oh you know it's just luck that this has happened and oh you know it's just coincidence that that happened but actually yeah it is downplaying how much hard work you put in but I'm also a believer that like things do happen for a reason and you know it, it just so happens that the paths that you've chosen so far have worked out for you I don't think it's necessarily saying that you chose the correct path because I'm sure no matter what way you you would gone you would have still succeeded because you're still like a passionate person you enjoy the subject so no matter what you'd ended up doing I'm sure it would have been fine but it's interesting that kind of you knew when you started to do it that you know like you were good at it and you had like a passion for it because I guess sometimes that can be kind of dampened down a little bit when you're doing a PhD. I don't know if you yeah, kind of felt definitely. like that. I, I feel like I'm hitting that stage at the minute where I'm just like so stressed that I'm losing a little bit of an en- enjoyment that I had. I'm still enjoying mm. it, but like I can feel that like it's ebbing away slightly. And I'm like, is this because it's not for me or is it because I'm just like operating at a very high level of stress right now? I'm not really sure. Yeah. Did you kind of feel like that? Yeah, I think it's the the concept of looming deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the end of an era. And you think, oh, once you've done your PhD, that is it. There's no more. Um, you can no longer really delay. Oh, I'm just going to do some more study. I'm not sure what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to convince yourself, this is what I want to do. Because, well, you've done it. This is what you want to do. Um, so there is a mix of anxiety and nerves and not wanting to end a good thing because when you're doing your PhD and you're really enjoying it and you get to the end you think oh no this is going to be the end of it this is oh I just want to do this more um so it's 
it's it's completely normal i felt it big time definitely and then um and then once it's done and it's all printed off and it's on your bookshelf that's when you're like you know what yeah this imposter syndrome nah it doesn't exist we love that we love that well that links very nicely to the poll of the week that I picked out this week so the question that I asked all of my followers was have you ever wanted to quit working in research so yes or no do you want to have a guess of what way the poll swung and kind of a rough estimate of what the percentages were oh it's it has to be yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it I reckon <laughs> it's it's something really bad. Like eighty six percent say yes. It's not that bad, but you're you're quite close. To be fair, Ooh. so it's seventy two percent said yes. Ooh. So ah. it didn't. It wasn't quite as bad, but still fairly bad. And the amount yeah. of messages that I got when I put this poll up from people saying yes absolutely I hate it I hate my life I'm so stressed was actually ridiculous I think it's probably the most messages I've ever had in a day it was uh, intense I'm, I'm not surprised because there's so much pressure in academia mm. and there's so much comparison as well and we can't not compare ourselves to each other we say we shouldn't but yeah. everyone does and it's yeah. perfectly natural and normal to do that mm. I think the problem comes when you're comparing yourself and putting yourself down because someone else got a pub- paper published and you want to yeah. be happy for them but then you also be like yeah but I want a paper published yeah um, yeah that that can, it can be very difficult hmm. definitely I think it's it, it's it's very hard not to tear yourself down when you see yeah. other people succeeding because I think especially because academia is very competitive naturally you know you're all competing for those few postdoc positions and then hoping that you might get funded for a lecture position or like a fellowship or you know eventually even going all the way to professor and I think because of that you're always you're always going to compare yourself and I think it's pointless saying to people don't compare yourself because as you say you will like that's just the way it is but yeah I I do think social media can be both a blessing and mm. a bit of a curse there because it's great to build each other up and say oh we can get through this if you're struggling don't worry we have your back but then at the same time I personally felt that when you're seeing all of these posts of people doing various things in uh, academia and studies and you're stuck trying to figure out what your R code is and you're like oh man I hate this I just had enough yeah. um, and you so see somebody you else doing do. amazing you're just yeah. like oh yeah. So it's difficult not to bring yourself down a little. And you just got to take a step away yeah. and do something that you find enjoyable and takes your mind off it. For me, it's art. I like to switch off in the evening. I'm completely away from screens. Mm. I just pop some music on, do some sketching. And then once it hits like nine, 10 o'clock, I think, you know what? Yeah, I'm pretty chill and relaxed. And then the next day, I'm just completely refreshed. It's really That's nice. a really good thing to do. And your art's really good as well. I feel like I need to commission you to do something for me, for my, for my wall yeah. behind me. Um, but no, I think that's a really good idea. And I think you're completely right. And even if like you do relax by scrolling through social media, because I know sometimes I do do that just to kind of do something a little bit mindless. Something that I do is, and this sounds almost awful, but if I'm going through a little bit of a difficult patch and I follow somebody who's like very positive and very like, I've done this and I've done that. And this is how many hours I work in a day. And this is how productive I am. I'll just block them for not forever but just for like that that stage where I'm just feeling a little bit sort of glum I just think no absolutely not like for my mental health and for me to not wallow in self-pity I need to kind of be cruel to be kind and they're never gonna know I mean they're never gonna be like oh why can't I like I very much doubt that they're gonna be searching me and sort of looking for me so I just think you know if that's what you need to do then that's what you need to do but anyway enough about stress and all of the (laughs) awful things let's talk about something happy and funny confessions so yes we had a chat at work actually and I said make sure you've got some confessions and you did mention when we started the podcast that you had some so feel free to get some off your chest give us some entertainment on my uh, master's I did a lot of decomposition work and I still do bits of decomposition now but then it was fresh soft tissue body decomposition so i suppose i should really say a trigger warning first because this is <laughs> going to get pretty grim uh, and not very pleasant uh, it was even less pleasant at the time um oh, no. so with decomposition work we often use pigs in the uk um because we are it's 
there's a huge problem with animals versus human proxies and in a nutshell you want to use humans but you, you can't get enough of them we don't have the facilities so we use animals but animals aren't humans mm. um it's 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 a uh, is the best way to describe it mm. um so we're using pigs and part of it someone needed to use segments of the pig so we had to eviscerate the pig and to eviscerate the pig um you hang it up and then you oh, remove God. the innards um <laughs> why well, did so, that eat before this <laughs> so we had a trained vet uh he's fantastic and they're showing us this is how we eviscerate because we need to learn and it's like oh have a go yourself everyone's mm -hmm. a bit squeamish i thought no nah, i'm getting proper stuck in there and he used this uh big saw blade thing i forgot what it's called but it's got a little skinny saw at the end and it just goes really fast uh, right back. okay um and you start at the top and you have to go all the way down and then you start to remove the bowels um, mm. and you have to do it very carefully, but you get close to the bowels. Um, so you might get a little bit of a dribble, but this one was, oh. had been left for a little while no. and it, it uh, oh, swelled up a little and it... we a little bit too hard. Um, oh. I, I looked like I had freckles. <gasps> no. It was disgusting. Oh. It was vile. It was a memory I try to forget about oh god it's been banished to the shadow realm i don't want to remember that anymore oh um, did it like did, did it did it smell mm, i'm not sure what was worse the scent no actually no i know what was worse no. the, the taste was worse than the scent the taste oh no no it was not good no la, we, la, la, uh, la, la, la. definitely oh. <laughs> yeah no it wasn't good that required quite a bit of paperwork afterwards yeah, um, I can imagine. Well, that's that's yeah. grim. I'm not gonna yeah. sugarcoat that. That is, gr I mean, a great confession, it, it was grim. but yeah. grim. Was it? Was it just yeah. you? Was there like a few people? No, there, there, there are a couple of us. Uh, mostly me that got freckled, oh. um, and then the uh, the instructor the lecturer also got a little bit of speck on him. It wasn't good, but it was funny. Oh, I, I see the funny side now. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess it's one of those things, isn't it? Like if you're gonna be doing that sort of activity then the chances mm. are you are going to be covered at some point in some sort of bodily yeah, fluid yeah. whether it's blood or i don't know yeah so Boo. yeah we're, there, were all, <laughs> yeah, there were all sorts that were terrible and then toward the end of summer you have the uh the furnace man would come along with his furnace truck oh. um, i don't know how he managed to get it there because it's this huge truck it's bigger than a um bin lorry truck fan mm -hmm. um and it's a really rickety skinny road it's worse than driving up the valleys in wales it was mm. awful um so he managed to make it up and then they park at the bottom of the hill and you can know when he's getting closer because if you have an up wind uphill wind you can smell it getting stronger and stronger oh. and then we have to bring in big bags all of the old rotting pigs and guts and yucky mm. stuff and mm. drag it downhill and you know they're pretty heavy they're like 50 60 kilos in about. yeah and then try to lever it up into the truck um oh. which uh doesn't always pan out too well oh. um so and then you just kind of this truck is just full of gunk and gross stuff that they then take away to a furnace and, and incinerate uh which is not really pleasant um so that's not a nice one, but that happens all the time. But it mm. is very funny when you are putting the, the pigs out. And then there was one person that was studying with us who um, overestimated their strength and oh then ended God. up falling backwards under the pig with its face kind of like a godfather style with the horse just looking right at them. Oh. <laughs> it was stuck under the pig. And they, they just couldn't get them off. And we couldn't help them. We're laughing too much because they just look ridiculous with this big pig lying on top of them face to face. Like, ah, oh, we're going to give you the kiss of life. It's just, oh, we can't handle this. So we we rescued them after a while, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a bit dodgy. I feel say. like that, that I would be the person that that would happen to. Mm. At, like, absolutely. That would be, I, I would like be try especially if I was a student, I'd be trying to kind of like, be like involved and do good things yeah, and I, yeah. I would definitely I would almost a thousand percent fall flat on my face with some sort of pig carcass on top of me no you really do try to get stuck in as a student and it's so worth it um but you do kind of put yourself in some precarious situations sometimes I've got to admit mm. yeah. yeah I mean that to be fair for like a student to be involved in that that is yeah, fairly like 
full on to be fair like mm. it's not like anything that any of like me and my friends all did for our projects where we're just sort of dealing with you know like cells that's like yeah, quite yeah. hardcore mm, yeah it, it was a fantastic learning experience and then we we'd get involved sometimes in casework as well not the casework casework mm. but some of the field work that went toward it so there was a case of someone dies and they put the body into a wheelie bin and the question was how long have they been in there for and mm. so the research was looking at how long they things decompose in wheelie bins so then when we were there that work had finished up but we've got to dispose of them so getting involved in even just the tail end of the cleanup is still such an amazing ex learning experience mm. um and a scent experience i suppose because it looks like a square of cheese and tongues inside each wheelie bin and then just having <laughs> to get rid of it um so you really do get stuck in and it's so worth taking up all those extra opportunities of just doing a bit of this here and a bit of that there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I so, suppose yeah, you, you don't think of that. Like I, I would never have thought that finding a woman dead in a wheelie bin would kind of lead to research. Mm. But actually, yeah, when you think about it, that is something that like you do need to have a look at, like the rate of decomposition and various different you know circumstances yeah, yeah. situations yeah that's it genuinely and I don't I'm not just saying that like that is genuinely really interesting I mean I yeah, absolutely yeah. couldn't stomach it but I can acknowledge that it's an interesting thing to research <laughs> mm. yeah it's fantastic ah well there you go that, that's a good confession that's something that we haven't had here before so thank you for sharing that oh thank you very much well that actually, I didn't even ask you to say that. And that feeds in really nicely to our first anonymous confession, because this is also about tissue, not from a pig, from a human this time. So another disclaimer, maybe I'm just going to have a whole disclaimer on this video. I think, yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> this video, this podcast. So this is the confession. I work in a pathology lab. One day I was in cut up. So cut up is where tissues are dissected and examined for signs of disease for anybody who doesn't know. I didn't notice anything strange until I went to the tea room on my break. It wasn't until I sat down and crossed my legs that I noticed that there was a piece of placenta on the top of my shoe. Have you ever tried to not react to having literal flesh on your foot whilst delicately removing it? It's very hard to do. I ran straight back to the lab to wipe it off and it's never been spoken about since. That's hideous. That's <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm slightly disappointed that they didn't do a bit of a football kick and just ping it across the lab. Mm. That would have been very funny. And then it land on the back of someone like, Ooh. oh, yeah. Well, the thing, I feel like if it was me, like having, so I worked in a histo lab and I have seen a placenta mm. and they're messy. Like you think that a placenta is going to be like, quite a nice little sort of like not nice that's a, a weird way to put it but kind of like a a very compacted sort of package is what I had in my head yeah, yeah. but actually it's like bloody to sort of put it in I can't really describe it in any other way there's yeah, a lot of blood yeah. a lot of like dangly tissue it's very like there's a lot of tissue that hangs off it so I can't imagine that that would have even like I imagine there was probably blood on her shoe that she'll have had to probably like wipe off but I guess like putting like my sensible hat on you have to be quite careful with this as well because obviously it's still human tissue and there's things like the yeah, human tissue so. act like I think if you were sort of like a lay person you just saw that in like a corridor if it fallen off that would have probably been even more of an issue because if you then like if like a member of the public saw it, picked it up and just put it in the bin, that's kind of a big deal. Um, if you're in like a histo lab, normally the tissue gets collected, it gets put into like a sort of like special human waste bag. And that will then, as you said, like with the pigs, it'll go for like incineration eventually. Mm -hmm. um, but also like, oh my God, I've just thought of this, like if a member of the public found it, can you imagine just being in a hospital, walking down a corridor? You're already a little bit on edge because yeah, hospitals, yeah. creepy, not the nicest. And then you just see a bit of like tissue. Ugh. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, oh, I'd be worse if someone steps on it as well and leave a little blood trail like a behind squish. them. Yeah, a placenta trail. Placenta is just grim. I remember sometimes we would get them down from the labour ward and on the side of the buckets, there would just be loads of blood. And I'd be like, you could have cleaned it. Like, I'm just saying, you could have given that a bit of a wipe before you brought it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the one. Oh, that's so bad. That is bad. So not pigs, but sort of yeah, related. Bad, no? Yeah. 
next confession. So this is a bit of a strange one, but I'd be interested to hear your insight on this. Okay. It's short. I really like the smell of fresh urine. I don't know why. Um, it's just, just something like freshly cut grass. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna. I'm, <laughs> that's never gonna leave my memory. Every time I'm, well, not that it's a really a, a thing that I'm around random urine but if i ever am i'm gonna think this smells like freshly cut grass whoever posted that you uh have some questionable grass uh-huh, uh-huh. and also like not to be grim but i'm gonna be grim like your urine is different it like different times of the day mm. so like does it always smell of grass like you know on a morning it's fairly i don't know like concentrated it's quite like yellow Mm. Is, is it that or is it like when you're super hydrated like i need to know on the like hydrated urine scale where you're at yeah yeah or maybe it's an exercise thing so they've gone to the gym lifted some weights taken some protein some <laughs> steroids if they're into that and then it, the, the amount that they put into their body the grass scale goes off the chart and becomes flowers who knows maybe, maybe like raw scented mm. urine i just i just don't know but then so my mind then went to because obviously this is anonymous but a lot of my followers are like people who work in science or are interested in working in science so I was like what if this is somebody who works in a lab and they're getting urine samples from other people are they like sniffing other people's urine or is this their urine because I Uh, feel like they've said it makes it sound like it's somebody else's yeah it, it's it's the classic um pathological examination psychopath. <laughs> yeah yeah psychopath yeah um you've got to sniff the urine first score it on the chart of the grass scale and then you could do your actual lab work but if you don't do the scent your entire examination pointless got to smell it first i mean that is what i heard mm. yeah i heard that too the real hardcore urine enthusiasts uh give it a little taste as well i've heard there's actually society yeah. Mm, I have as well. Yeah. You get like a little badge. It's like yellow. It's in the shape of like a splash. Yeah. It, they they also call it a point of science. Um, <laughs> now I know why you asked me to get involved oh, in that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I felt like I, I just, I feel like I've got a lot of questions. A lot mm, of questions yeah. that I feel like will never get answered. And that makes me uneasy. Yeah, I would like to know. I because like I do sometimes know. wonder this, like, you don't know who's kind of dealing with all of these things in like the hospital settings or whatever. Like there probably are some weirdos who yeah. will just do that. Like have a bit of a whiff. I've had, I think there was a couple of weeks ago, I had a confession about like agar and people were like, Oh, I really love the smell of agar. And I was like, that's probably like more like fair. Like if you work with it all the time, there's probably certain yeah, types of yeah. agar that you like the smell of. I don't really, I don't mean I don't work with agar, so I don't know, but maybe it does yeah. smell different i don't know we have it with bones as well sometimes some bones have a, ta- uh, a scent to them um sometimes they have a taste i suppose um and it can be quite useful when we're doing human versus animals someone says mm. oh what animal is this i'm not sure give it a smell if it if yeah. it's a cow then it might smell like beef so certainly is that actually so is that actually a thing then yeah if you put uh, some animal bones into in a bag put it on top of a radiator for like half an hour not too hot, of course. Um, mm. The bag might start to smell like the animal. No way. So, so is, that, is yeah. that is that dependent on like how fresh the bone is, or? Yeah. So if you get something that's really archaeological, it's not really going to happen so much. But if mm. you have like a fresh cow rib, then yeah, it's going to smell like like beef. So. That's yeah. For the, not all of them, not perfect, but it can be quite useful if someone is doubtful that you're saying this is human or this mm. is animal. Just oh, give it a smell. Um, it doesn't it. really work so much with taste, uh, but you can convince yeah. people sometimes. So, oh, yeah, just give it a taste. Like, as a joke, and they go, what are you doing? Well, no, no, don't. Um, but yeah, but then I, I suppose, like, if you think about it, it's sort of a, you know, like, I, I only thought about there where you were talking about taste, and I instantly I was like, oh, that's disgusting. But then I was like, but to be fair, like, when I was, um, I went to Manchester, it, Christmas for the Christmas markets and we went to a restaurant and I got steak and it came with bone marrow 
and I've never had bone marrow before and to be honest I was a bit sort of weirded out about it but Connor was like no try it try it it'll be really really nice like it'll really enhance the flavor and I was like but it's like bone but like it does have a taste and I'm assuming like bone marrow from different bones does taste different like I don't know if it's like from lamb or obviously this was from a cow but I'd never like thought of that before see I'm learning things well, you can use bone marrow to make ramen as well, like a proper good ramen. So. Can you actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I actually am learning things. There you go. Well, so uh, the final confession is actually a little bit of a sad confession, I thought. But as kind of a new lecturer and somebody who supervises project students, yes, I was interested to kind of just get your perspective on this. So I didn't pursue a PhD in a field that I enjoyed as a placement student because my manager called my work useless. Yeah, that's really sad. That's unfortunate. It's sad, isn't it? Mm. I think workplace managers can be so soul-crushing sometimes. Mm. Um, And whether they think it's they're looking out for you or not, often, often, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. But to say that someone is useless, it doesn't matter who they are, that's such a horrible thing to say isn't it Mm, yeah I feel like that is the sort of thing that you would instantly internalize I mean I've definitely had times over the years of like my career if you can call it that I always feel a bit weird saying career but you know from when I was kind of like an undergrad up till now and it is awful you know when somebody says oh I don't think you're cut out for this or you know I think you need to change this bit about yourself on if like you want to be taken seriously or if you want to kind of succeed and these are the things that you internalize and I think unless you're a fairly stubborn person or somebody who's just like incredibly driven then it is really hard to kind of ignore that and as well I think if it comes from a position of power you're less or at least like perceived power you're much less likely to just ignore it because you'll be like oh well you know if this professor or this senior lecturer has said that then it must be true so kind of if you were if you were sort of somebody's project supervisor and you like heard that that had happened maybe to somebody it's like to somebody else who's not maybe within your group is there anything that you would kind of advise or say it's the thing is you're on damage control then and it's so difficult to repair that especially when you are trying to be professional because you can't really talk about your co-workers in that way um but if someone has been stomped and kicked down you've got to just do something to help them out um and i've had it a few times since students come by and they're not happy with their grades um and it's i suppose it's kind of similar because they're just telling themselves they're useless they did rubbish they didn't get what they achieved and you just have to reassure them that this was the class average, you were 5% off or mm. you were 5% above or this is what you could have done. Let's work together. Here's your feedback. And actually this is step-by-step step what you could have done to do better. There's there's no point just having a go at someone saying they're rubbish if you don't give them anything to make it better. Yeah. But you do also need to give some pretense to it as well. So something that I'm very conscious of myself of doing is I will open up saying... Um, please, you know, like, don't take this the wrong way. And I know it's bad to say, oh, I, it's just a joke or don't take this the wrong way. But if you ask someone, what's the point? It sounds really accusational and negative. But if you genuinely mean, you know, I'm asking you what the point of this work is, what the research, we're like, why are we doing this? Mm. Um, but if you ask them quite straight, what is the point? It makes people realize, oh yeah, I need to look at what the point of this work is. And you can mm. do it for everything, whether it's looking at job applications, CV statements, what's the point in them hiring, what's the point in your statement or your project proposal, your thesis, your essays, anything you do, you've got to think, what's the point? Why are you doing it? Why do people care? Mm-hmm. But at any point, if someone says you're useless, uh, you're not very good, you're dumb, you're an idiot, you're ugly, anything you do, if they just say something negative, they're just trying to bring you down. And a lot of people do this to bring themselves up as well. It's such a horrible way of bringing yourself up. Whereas if someone says something a little negative, but in a reinforcing way to build you up, make you better, mm. they're the people that you want to talk to and take their opinion on board. If someone's saying you're useless with nothing else added, they yeah. their, their opinion is useless, basically. Yeah. It has no value. Yeah, so, but I agree. But to ignore that is tough. So there's not too much you can really do without sitting them down 
and encouraging them going through what they're doing, how they can overcome these barriers and build themselves back up. Yeah, definitely. I think that's very insightful. And I think just to sort of add on to that as well, I think for me anyway, I think you can tell when somebody is genuinely trying to give you negative feedback, but without being horrible and hurting your feelings or bringing you down by the way that they deliver that feedback. Like, for example, if they kind of say, like they give you a bit of praise first and then they say, but also just to like make you aware, I've noticed this that you're doing and like that's not really very good that's not very good practice and they kind of tell you why and then at the end they maybe say but you're doing this amazingly and like you're a great addition to the team it's kind of like I think what sort of universally termed as like the shit sandwich and I think that's like if somebody's doing that to you then you can tell that they genuinely care about you or at least they care about like sparing your feelings and then maybe that's a good way of judging whether somebody's opinion as you say, it is worth it, or if they are yeah, just yeah. generally trying to bring you down. Yeah, it's difficult. It's really tough. Uh, you just got to stick with it, I suppose. Find the the right people. You don't want to just be around people that constantly praise, mm. in, in, unless you're me, because I'm just so amazing, of course. Um, <laughs> but you want to be around people that look out for you, and they will say the negative and the positive, and mm. that's what you want to be around. You don't want to be brought down, but you want to be built up. And if all you're having is false praise, it does you no favors. So yeah. take that negativity on board and flip it around and make yourself better. If someone says you're useless, prove them that you are not useless. And obviously, uh, well, I don't like obviously, but clearly uh, we're not useless because we are all amazing scientists or interested in science. And that makes us the best people. Yeah, there you go. You heard it here first. I think that's a really nice piece of advice to actually end this on. So is there anything that you'd like to sort of tell any listeners if there's anything that you would like to direct them to, to either have a read of, if there's like anywhere, obviously I can include like your socials and everything in the description of this particular episode, but is there anything else that you would like to kind of share? Maybe like a pearl of wisdom or something? Um... Let me think of Pearl of Wisdom. For me, uh, something that's helped me um, when writing anything is uh, Google it. I know that sounds really dumb, but we get so fixated on things that honestly don't really matter. Um, mm. And I was guilty of this as well, writing, thinking, uh, what line spacing exactly should I use? And how, does my reference end in a full start? Then should it be this or that? Really minute things. When honestly, if you Google it and you don't get an answer on the first page, it doesn't matter. Just mm. make sure it all looks consistent because um, you can get really bogged down with really dumb formatting. But formatting presentation is really important. I find it really important as well. So take the time to put the work in. But if you don't find an answer from Google and you ask someone they don't really know, it probably doesn't matter. So don't sweat the details. Um, get the bulk of it done instead. And just plan. Be in advance. You don't need to plan 10 years in advance, you know, chill out. <laughs> Within Take reason. some me time. Yeah. <laughs> you need some me time. Relax. Have some fun as well. Yeah. There you go. I think that's good. And I think just coming from kind of like somebody who saw you as you were finishing your PhD, obviously, I know we were in COVID, so I didn't get to like see you in person, but you were generally fairly calm and collected considering all of the like stress you were under. And I think that is probably because you took your own advice and you didn't sweat the small stuff and you took some time for yourself, turned everything off, put some music on and yeah, did some sketching on an evening and just yeah. reset your it's mind. So and I think that is important. Yeah. So easy to start your day looking at your phone and then you travel to work, you're in front of the computer all day and you go home, you look at your phone and then you're on your computer doing some other things or you're watching TV or playing a game. Uh, you are never looking away from the screen. You've got to look away from the screen and look at the real world. Otherwise you just you're stuck and you need some time out find a hobby do something yeah, find a hobby that sounds a little bit great. yeah find a hobby <laughs> it does it does it does isn't it um, it's, it's good advice it's, no it is it's good advice so thank you very much for coming on the podcast right. I, I know we've been trying to organize this for a long time and we're both very very busy people I think we've probably rescheduled this about six times so I'm pleased probably, that we were yeah. finally able to do it and genuinely it's been really nice to chat to you I mean it always is but it's nice to kind of chat about some confessions from both yourself and from you know some anonymous donors and I feel like I've learned some things tonight like you can make ramen with bone marrow who knew yeah yeah there you go tasty delicious amazing thank you very much (laughs) thank you very much
And there you have it. There was my episode with Reese. I hope that you all enjoyed that. Honestly, I had the best time speaking to Reese, not just because he's hilarious and just generally just entertaining to speak to, but because he actually had some really cool and nice insights that I just had never really thought about before. And not just in terms of like the bones and the ramen, but you know, also just like general life advice, like taking time away from your screen and kind of how to adapt to getting negative feedback and I think that's something that is really important to talk about so I'm pleased that we had a bit of a balance in between kind of talking about some funny mishaps and confessions with also giving some pretty solid advice actually so that was great Obviously, like I said in the episode, I will include all of Reese's details in the description. I asked him after the podcast, I said, oh, do you want to kind of direct people to any papers or any research that you're currently doing? And he was just like, nope, just get them to Google me. I'll be top of the list. So um, if you do want to know anything more about him, please do feel free to Google him. He is, in fact, top of the list. I Googled him. Now I know. Uh, I would definitely encourage working with Reese if you are interested in his sort of like line of work or if you are a project student definitely get in touch with him he is hilarious and brilliant to work with so yes there you have it thank you again Reese, if you're listening to this for joining me for this podcast episode if you yourself are listening to this and you'd like to be a podcast guest then please do drop me an email drop me a message send me a carrier pigeon i don't care just get the message to me and we will definitely get you on I'm currently toying with the idea of having a little bit of like a season break when I hit maybe about 12 episodes just for a couple of weeks just to give me a bit of a breather um so yeah let me know how you would maybe feel about that but obviously I'm always on the lookout for science confessions mishaps so please keep them coming in because they are what fuels this podcast and also let me know if you'd like me to do any bonus episodes I was toying with the idea of maybe doing a kind of one-off just me special where I kind of just chat about me (laughs) me myself and I so if that's something that you'd be interested in please do let me know and otherwise yeah I will let you all go I have chatted your ears off enough and I will see you all in two weeks time thanks guys bye